Stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hi, and welcome back to Raising Joy. I'm Kristen Perch. And I am Winnie King. How are you, Kristen Perch? I am great. Yeah. I So maybe I've been stalking you on social media, Miss <laughs> King. Yes, and ma'am. I saw an epic vacation over the summer. Ooh, two and a half weeks. Okay, who'd you go with? I went with my sister and I went with my niece and we went to Montreal uh, for a little while. And then we went on to London and to Paris. And oh my goodness, changed my life. Well, and you guys seem like you had some really unique and very cool experiences. Like, mm-hmm. where I'm not looking at, like, Big Ben and the Louvre, you know, like, yeah. it's not that. Like, you guys yeah, did your, did, you did some other really cool things. We did a lot of touring, but we did one thing that I'll never, ever do again, and that is a bike tour in oh. London. Oh. Okay, and, and here's the reason why. You know, because when you hear bike tour, you're thinking, okay, I, I, I know how to ride a bike. You know, you hear the phrase, it's just like riding a bike. You can get back on and it's no problem. And, you know, I've I've ridden stationary and I've, you know, okay, Peloton, I got you. But I have not been on a regular bike in 30 years. Okay, same. Regular bike on terrain that is gravel or, uh-huh. you know, or <laughs> limestone or rocks and, and people are everywhere and you're in a bike lane and there are these professional bikers that are whoosh 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 going Mm -hmm. by you and you're like "Uh, you know how did i how did i get here (laughs) what is my life and why am i here (laughs) and and i'm screaming at the top of my lungs get out the way and i've got this little (laughs) bell that and then the guy that was with us he kept saying ring your bell ring your bell i'm ringing the bell but nobody's moving get out the way i'm gonna fall you know and i'm just really thinking I'm going to fall off this bike and plant my face in the street. Okay. But I have to tell you, the video on social media (laughs) made it look like you guys were like glamorous (laughs) and like you were killing it. Yeah. There was was all of three seconds. Yeah. That was all three seconds. But I'll tell you, but (laughs) that's the one thing I will never do again. But the other thing that I will do is when we were in Paris... We went to a champagne luncheon. Baby, that was my life. Why didn't you invite me? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It, that was, it was a beautiful day. We had wonderful entrees. Every other, um, um, every uh, part of the meal was served with a different, uh, different champagne. You are speaking my language. it, It is, that is my favorite adult beverage. And see, here's the thing. Now I hate that I know what real good champagne tastes like. Oh, no. This is bad for me. I can't do it. I can't do it. Because, you know, we went to a place where they store and and age Dom Perignon. And so we're drinking. The, Wait, you so, didn't tell me oh it was this gosh. was a Dom party. Yeah, okay. baby. This was the real <laughs> deal. <laughs> and you're like, okay, this is my life. Okay, what do I have to sell, do? What do I have to <laughs> so that I can do this on a regular I can come back. But it was a great it was it was a great bonding. It was a great trip. We had great experiences. I was so happy to disconnect um and then come back 
Um, yeah, yeah, y'all never forget that. No, we and we still talk about it. That's we awesome. still talk about it. It's great. But anyway, oh, we got a we got a show. We do. <laughs> I know. Winnie has been transported and yeah, t- and took yeah. us with us, and I'm okay with that. I know. I know. <laughs> but I also we we also want to acknowledge that this is his Hispanic Heritage Month. Yes. You know, and we want to make sure that we're doing it because this episode is about unique challenges Hispanic children and families face when it comes to mental health. Absolutely. And today we're honored to have an incredible guest joining us today, Dr. Jessica Gomez. She's a clinical psychologist with a deep commitment to improving mental health and well-being of kids. And she's also the executive director of the Momentus Institute. Oh, my gosh. That's a mouthful. I know. I know. She's awesome. (laughs) When do you sleep? Uh, Dr. Gomez is a first-generation Mexican-American. She has been a driving force in creating culturally sensitive approaches that break down barriers and stigmas surrounding mental health. I'm I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so glad. So what is the Momentous Institute? Momentous Institute. Where do I start? Um, it has a 103-year history. So that's a long time for a nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and especially to start in mental health. So it is an organization that's dedicated to children and families, and we work at the heart of mental health and education. And if you think about that 100-year history, that means that is right around when psychology was being born. And so what we offer is low-barrier, oftentimes scholarship services in mental health. We have a laboratory school that looks at how do we integrate all those lessons from mental health into an elementary curriculum. Because if you learn that early on in Mm -hmm. life, we know that the science shows that you're set up for success. And then we take all the lessons from mental health and education and we produce content, curriculum, so that we can kind of expand our reach and mm-hmm. share that with the rest of the world. Mm. That's so cool. Mm. That is mm-hmm. so cool. Let, let's back up a little bit because when I introduce you, I introduce you as a first-generation Mexican-American. Help me understand why that is significant. I hear my mom right now okay, in, okay. in my ear. Okay, okay. Let's hear it. What was okay, she saying? Well, what was she saying? <laughs> and one of the things she would always tell my brother and I is never forget who you are mm-hmm. and where you come from. Okay. Okay. So no matter where you go. And so I start with that because I am a first generation Mexican-American woman. And that is such a huge part of my identity mm-hmm. um, because there's so much strength that we get from our culture and our yes. roots and our ancestors. Yes. Um, But that is especially important in the field of psychology where we know that we need to diversify the field. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I always say that proud Southsider, I'm from the South side of Chicago, Mm, never thought I'd end up in Texas, but I came to Texas because I knew that there were not enough bilingual, bicultural practitioners. So I went to school based on my own lived experience of when I finally went to therapy when I was younger. Mm. And my family was there with me. They didn't speak my language. Mm -hmm. I had to explain my culture Mm -hmm. um, and some of the dynamics of why we do things the way we do, right? And this Mm -hmm. isn't exclusive just to Hispanic communities, for diverse communities. And so I made a commitment that I wanted to be representative Mm -hmm. and no child should have to sit in front of me and explain Who they are and what they are and what they bring to the table. And why their house smells a certain way or why they have to ask permission to go out in the evening, even if you're 22. Yeah. yeah, Because respect Uh is a value. So that's awesome. That is awesome. How's this? 
Okay. Oh, louder. <laughs> She's like, I got you. I've activated therapist voice. Okay, Sorry. got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But her face was animated. I know. It was amazing. <laughs> okay. Can you hear me now? Is this a better? Okay. And it was an adjustment to the ears because I wasn't used to hearing myself mm, here. It's weird. Mm -hmm. It feels like I'm like muted. It's really weird. Yeah. Okay. 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 There you go. Okay. Next question. Um, share a bit about your um, becoming the executive director of this organization. Well, where do I begin? <laughs> where do I begin? <laughs> so I am the first, I, I have to say proudly, um, first person, um, woman of color to lead this organization. Mm. And with a hundred year history, that is significant. I know. Um, and it's important that nonprofits, yeah. nonprofit leadership reflects and represents the community that they serve. Yes. Um, it sends a message both explicitly and implicitly mm -hmm to the families and communities we're committed to. And so that journey for me started. Um, I came as an intern, again, APA intern, finishing my residency to become a psychologist um, and planned to be in Texas for one year. And I fell in love with the mission and the work we were doing wow. and said, well, I'll leave once I'm done learning 13 years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know Sorry. that. I know. I know that. I, you know the same thing happened to me at Cook Children. They got you. Yeah, and it was like I'm. I'll be gone in three years. I'll be gone in three years for sure. Eighteen years later, here you are. <laughs> here and still, I'm still here. So I got. I, I became in love with the mission. I became in love with. I, I. I grew. Oh my goodness! Everything that was going on in that in that hospital and what they were doing for kids. So I get it. And I'm giving you time to to collect yourself. <laughs> yeah, take take as much time as you need. Like, okay. like Yeah, yeah, cuz we we talk. <laughs> so. All the weird ticks happen when there's a mic or a camera. Yeah, that's exactly. I right. get migraine auras whenever I'm nervous. Mm. So I haven't, I haven't had one today, so I'm not Oh, good. Yeah. Well, there you no, go. I'm good. Well, and can I add another piece to that to sure. the journey? Sure. Um so my passion is sitting in front of families and children and working with them and seeing them come in in point A mm -hmm. and then seeing their healing journey. Oh. And so when the position to lead this phenomenal organization became open, I had to sit with and wrestle with not sitting in front of the families. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mentor saying, you will have larger impact by sitting in this seat and reach far more children and families than you could one, one on one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand yeah. that. I so, do too. And I really do. That's awesome. It's, and some of it is because... A medical director or co-medical director for psychiatry at our hospital and a lot of, and so because of that I have to have less clinical time but it's really hard because like that's why we went into the field that we did and so to have less time with our family was really tough but you have more impact on the overall mission of what you do and that's that's a big thing that's well, a big thing. I agree. And especially with the combination of lived experience, being a practitioner, it helps you make decisions mm -hmm. more thoughtfully than mm -hmm. if you if you're just always been in leadership mm -hmm. your entire yeah. career. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, absolutely. That's true. And um, you mentioned that your family comes from a culture where mental health issues were not necessarily openly discussed, right? 
You know, I don't want to use a broad stroke brush to paint everyone because there's diversity even within Mm -hmm. different cultures, lots of it. But in my experience, not just lived experience, but working with Latino families, traditionally, we don't take our business outside of the home. Mm -hmm. In fact, I remember being told that stays here. We don't share that, even an extended family. And so it sends a message, unintended sometimes, that we don't talk about that. And I always say, we're more likely to say, I have a headache. Let me take a pill for the headache or a stomach ache or the backache. And I see this in the outcomes that are coming out of the research that we're more likely to go to the ER than say, I need therapy. I'm having depression or anxiety. And so culturally, I think there's a lot of stigma around mental health um, and depression. um, And we'd rather cope with it in unhealthy ways sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think when you don't talk about it, that's what happens. Like it bubble, it it always comes out. Like it bubbles out in all of these other ways, and it really has a negative impact on a person's life. Now, I am. I also want to do the silver lining because <laughs> as I work with youth and the the younger generations, they're talking about mental health in a way that I haven't seen other generations. Okay. Okay. Totally agree. Yeah, and it gives me such hope. They're so in tune with their feelings and open to talking about it without the shame that I've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. So there is hope. Okay, so all like, and you're seeing that cross culturally. I'm seeing that across because I sit with a diversity of families, mm-hmm. um, and of course, our team as well as seeing post pandemic. I think we realize that it's not just some communities that are affected, but this is something that we all need, mm-hmm. and we're. Guess what? It's part of the human condition. Mm -hmm. And so we put a magnifying glass and I think there's an openness and we really have to step in because we could really just stigmatize Mm -hmm. mental health right now. Yes. I know a lot of people, they criticize the younger generations and like, oh my gosh, these kids. But it's like that has happened for centuries. Like it's always those kids, you know, but they actually give me a ton of hope Mm -hmm. because they are, they're having the conversations that none of us were brave enough to have. Right. Like they're, they're, They're courageous, mm-hmm. 100%. You know, and the same thing is happening in the black communities. Too. We, we we suffer with the same issue of not wanting to get in front of particular black men. They don't want to get in front of anybody and tell anything, and, and they hold it in, and then they're crazy. And, you know, it's one thing leading to another. So, you know, it's—and and I think during the pandemic, we saw such a rise in uh, suicide attempts— with mm-hmm. with uh, bra- uh, black and Hispanic uh, children, it yes. it was such a rise. So we know that we need this work. We know that we need representation in 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 this field um, because we need to help these kids. And we know that this pandemic has is going to impact mental health for I don't know ten twenty years. Who who knows? It's going to be a long time. So we need to get more people in, more diverse people. And it's going to take an approach. Um, this isn't just something for educators, for healthcare providers to deal with. If we don't take care of the youth mental health crisis, mm-hmm. it will become the next decade's workforce um, crisis. Crisis, mm-hmm. and it will take all of us from decision makers. Um, so I don't want to just put that on the shoulders of healthcare mm-hmm. and education. Mm-hmm. It's a problem we need to look at as a whole. Yeah. What do you worry about could happen if they don't? Like if we don't really address this head on. I worry about, I mean, these are the things that really keep me up. <laughs> yeah. Um, are our children learning? Are they set up for success to live healthy lives? If you are not okay with yourself, how can you have healthy relationships? 
contribute to your community. Um, we're not building a healthy world. And so if you turn on the news, hurt people hurt people. Ooh, yeah. And they're doing it all the time. And so you can take a number of things that are happening um, and say, well, where's the root cause of that? Mm-hmm. But what would happen, just like when the diabetes um, crisis happened and we took that on and said, we're really going to make a difference in diabetes. It's all about education and access. Yes. And so if we start early, like at Momentous School, mm-hmm. in pre-K-3, our children are learning about their brain. They're using words like amygdala, I flip my lid, <laughs> breathing. I learned those words in graduate school. Oh, my That's gosh. awesome. Yeah, I definitely did not know amygdala. Until I was like in my 20s. And they say, I've flipped my lid, which we know it's their prefrontal cortex is not online anymore. <laughs> <laughs> They're very limited prefrontal cortex at three. Yeah. Yes. But wow. they know it's there. Wow. And That's so cool. What would happen if we created a world that we actually know, just like we have a heart mm-hmm. and a brain, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that our emotions are connected? Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I want to go to school there. <laughs> I'm going to be like Billy Madison. (laughs) That's the reason why I'm there, actually. (laughs) Well, how do you suggest that parents start conversation, particularly Hispanic parents? I'm going to go there. How do you suggest they start uh, conversations about mental health with their kids, especially with cultures, black, brown, who don't really accept that? Or at least in my generation, you know, the younger generations do, but maybe not so much where I was, where I am. So I'm going to pull up and say, it starts with you, mom, dad, caregiver. Mm -hmm. You cannot pour from an empty vessel. Mm. And so if you're not in check and in tune with you, how can you give what you don't have? What you say? (laughs) Maybe you should say that again. (laughs) Everybody just rewind and listen to that on the podcast again, because what she said is absolutely correct. You cannot pour. So you can't give what you don't have. And so if you're sitting still with trauma or unresolved issues or you're trying to calm your child and you're vibrating, Mm. the brain, before your child looks at you, in three seconds, they're already calculating, are you safe? Mm. Are you mad at me? Without even saying anything. Mm. And so we've got to regulate. In my field, we call it, we are the co-regulator, the adults, because that prefrontal cortex is not developed. Mm -hmm. We have to calm the child's central nervous system Mm -hmm. and their brain. Mm -hmm. And so you can't do that if you're upset or you've had a tough day. So check in with you. That's how you start any relationship, Mm. not just with your child. Mm. This is a journey, though. You know, that's not something you can flip on and flip off. You can't just, oh, okay, I'm going to breathe today and it'll be all right. This is intentional journey work that you have to do so that you can do the best for your own kids. Know thyself. Oh. If a person was interested in it's sort of unpacking, they they realize like, okay, whenever this happens, I have this like visceral mm, experience. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, there's something there. I need to do some, I need to work on this. How does a person go about doing that? Being honest with yourself. And I recognize that. Getting to know yourself is such a privilege, right? Not everyone has the time to sit and reflect. Mm -hmm. You know, some of our parents that we work with are working two or three jobs just to survive. So I recognize that. Or the pain is so significant that you're not ready to go there. So you start with where you are at. And that might mean I'm just taking walks. 
to kind of mm. calm myself. Mm. I don't want to jump to therapy as the only solution either because yeah. for all of us, therapy looks different. Right. Yeah. And some of my best therapy is going to ride my bike, mm. you know, around the lake. <laughs> okay. Not, not me, on gravel. Not me, but <laughs> I'll take the walk. I'll well, take and, the hike. <laughs> and unfortunately, like you said, like therapy or having that self-reflection is a privilege and not everybody has the time or the money or the opportunity. I, and I think it's so important and I wish it was valued and I wish it was like, free and available and easy. Like imagine the world Ooh. if therapy was like free, available and easy to get. Like it, I, I don't and know. we had enough people to do it. Yeah. Right. Like you, yeah. like if, if you, if you were like, I am struggling, I need help and you could get it. It'd be incredible. It really would because I, it makes a difference. I mean, just being able to get it out, talk it through, you know, what are my approaches? How do I handle just talking through it, why am I triggered by certain things? Mm -hmm. I'm, okay, it's helped me a lot. <laughs> it's helped me a lot. I mean, and I sit and think and ponder, okay, let me stop and and not be so quick. I, You know, it, I wish it were like that for everybody. Me too. I really do. I, do. I agree. You know, I don't know. Maybe we need to start community. You know, just come talk to me. I don't know much about it, but just come talk to me. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of isolation too. I would imagine. Yes. You know, a lot of isolation, and I'm and I'm speaking from um, the 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 perch of a woman who is single with a dog, <laughs> BB, my sweet boy. Um, but there's a lot of isolation there, so you should, you know, you need to get talk to people. You need community. Get out. Get out. Mm -hmm. We absolutely need community, and I think that's going to be the solution. Mm -hmm. um, the pandemic has also shown us that we lost some of those skills to be in community. Yeah, yes. And just look at all the videos of people trying to take flights. Dear God. Exactly. And so friendship skills, it's not something we're born with. We're wired to be in connection and in relationship. Mm -hmm. And the more disconnected you become from others and nature and all that stuff, mm -hmm. the worse your outcomes are, mental health and just physical and so that's something we need to be intentional with as well, building community, being in connection and learning how to cultivate relationships because relationships determine how long you live mm -hmm. and the quality of your life. Mm. That is true. It is. It is. Well, geez. How can healthcare providers become more culturally sensitive um, and better equipped to address the mental health needs of Hispanic children and their families? That's a big question. And if I had to give you one answer, it'd be be curious, mm. curiosity, mm. and assuming that you don't know everything. When I sit and train other psychologists, I say, if there's anything you learn from me, curiosity and openness and getting it wrong, mm -hmm. because you want to be educated by your family. There is no recipe book to work with this population, Hispanic, <laughs> African-American, mm -hmm. Asian-American. Mm -hmm. And if you do, you'll just be operating on stereotypes. Exactly. And so be open to learning and be curious, ask lots of questions and let your clients inform you mm. and change you. Yes. Take down the ego. So because some people will like, oh, I know how to do this. I can do this. But, you know, you're being open to being taught, which I love that, you know, and who's to say you're not going to, you know, sometimes you may get things a little wrong, you know, but to be able to apologize for it and recognize it and say, look, you know, I'm doing my very best. I think people understand that. And I think people will welcome. That's so humanizing. When I make a mistake in therapy, 
that's an opportunity for repair. And sometimes clients that come to us have never experienced someone in a position of power saying, I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. Now let me repair it. Mm -hmm. And then they can take that and guess what? Practice it in their own life. Mm -hmm. And it builds trust Mm -hmm. because now I trust that you will have my best interest at heart. And even if something happens, we can we can talk through it. Wow. Jeez. I and I always I, how do I like as a white woman, how do I avoid the landmines? You know, are there things that I can do? Like like you said, like be that's all I want to know. Like I am curious and I want to know and I want to learn from my clients. And I don't want to offend anyone. Like I want them to feel like they can talk to me about anything. You know, I just want to is there any way to avoid landmines? That's a big question. As well. You all have great <laughs> questions. And what I, I would say again, there's no one cookbook answer, but right. humility mm. is super important here and knowing yourself. Um, and not, it's not about me. When clients come in, um, I try to not put my stake in the ground to say, this is who I am. I'm not leading with, I'm a Latina, Mexican American, Mm -hmm. but if it's relevant, they will send me messages about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I just lean in with humility and curiosity. And at the end of the day, I want to be an open, humble, kind, empathetic human. That's what matters. And the science and research finds that when you look at what makes a good therapist, a good therapist, it's their posture of humility and openness Mm -hmm. and kindness. Um, yes, this matters, the outside, mm-hmm. but if the inside doesn't match it, it doesn't get you far. It doesn't. They know, and especially yeah. teenagers. My God, they will call. <laughs> <laughs> they are like the ultimate, like, authenticity meters. Like, if you are absolutely in, like, do not even try. Do, mm. Don't, don't mm. even try. Teenagers teenager. and Ooh. I always say pets as well. Aww. Like, if my dog doesn't trust you, Mm-mm. it's Aww. over. <laughs> Maybe he's in there. He trusts. <laughs> I brought him to work today. He trusts. He's good. Oh, he's, my he's, gosh. He's a Raising Joy um, support dog. Yeah, he is. He I has love been. Him. He is. He I is. love him. He really is. Where can people learn about the Momentous Institute? MomentousInstitute.org um, has all our website, all our blogs, all our curriculums, the things we're doing. But we're also very active on social media. We try to make sure that our information is accessible and bite-sized um, mm. so that it's not just the researchers that are accessing our information, but our families. Mm-hmm. And so we try to take these concepts of mental health that are really scientific and make them digestible. And I call it the TikTok attention span. Oh, my God. You've got me already. There you go. Because I'm on TikTok, baby. And 30 it's second like, burst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two to three minutes. No more than that. Okay. We got it. And that's really good. That's bite-sized. People can get it and they'll go back to it. And in their language, like we don't have to use all of the clinical jargon mm-hmm. that I barely understand. Yeah. But really making it accessible. And also we provide it in both languages. Wow. That's amazing. That's great. That is so great. Thank you so much for joining us. We Thank really you appreciate having you having you coming here, Dr. Gomez. We have uh, one more question for you because after every episode, we always talk about what we're grateful for. Um, because sometimes, you know, the, 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 the conversations can be a little heavy, but we want to be able to leave with hope. And I, you know, it, it, finding hope is kind of hard these days. So, you know, speaking that uh, into existence is something that we really like to do. 
So do you want to think about it? And then Kristen, do you want to you want to go first? <laughs> I was going to say I am so grateful for diversity and that I have friends of different communities and that I learn from them and my patients are that way as well. And just learning about different cultures and where they come from and their values. I think that we gain so much whenever um, we're open and honest and um, just excited mm-hmm. to re- for relationships with all different kinds mm-hmm. of people. And it makes life so much more rich. Mm-hmm. So I, that's what I'm grateful for. I, I think I would add to that. Um, I'm grateful for curiosity. People who are curious to know who I am and what I am and how I am and why I am, um, you know, who formulate those allyships because they are curious and because I don't expect them to be perfect ever. I don't expect perfection. I just want you to be curious. I just want you to know who I am and and want to do that. And for me, you know, how you say it, what you, how you posture it, it doesn't matter. But if I can feel and discern that you're really curious and wanting to know who I am and what I'm about um, and understand me, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. That's beautiful. <laughs> Both. Hard acts to follow. Um, but I have my mom and dad really present in me today um, mm. and extremely grateful that from the minute I could understand language, they made sure that I knew where I came from, that I had value and to never be ashamed of it, to be proud of it. And so that's the message I want to send out. Know who you are and that you have value and that you bring that to the world, no matter where you come from in your lived experience. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing. It's a great thing. It is. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I know. <laughs> you got me teary-eyed, guys. Dang it. But it's I good. hate crying at work. But thank you for listening to this episode of Raising Joy. Please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. This will help us reach even more people and make more people cry. Because <laughs> that's our goal. Send you to work with tears on your face. There you go. We accomplished it. Until next time, just breathe. Open up. You, you matter. matter.